Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hello, fabulous people of the Take On Board community. I would love it if you could join me at the next Take On Board event, where I'll be in conversation with Morgana Ryan about developing strategy. You'll get some fabulous tips as well as get to meet others from the Take On Board community. It's a virtual event, so you can come from wherever you are in the world. Early bird tickets are on sale until the 7th of May, so get in as soon as you can. The link to book is in the show notes. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking to Deanne Weir about listing AI media during a global pandemic. And we'll also touch on some tips for working with CEOs as the chair. First, let me tell you about Deanne. Deanne is, and there is a long list here, so bear with me. She's the chair of AI Media, which is an ASX-listed global provider of speech-to-text services. She's the chair of SEER Data and Analytics, a technology startup helping the social sector make better decisions through the use of data and insights. She's the chair of the Sydney Film Festival, of Grata Fund, of Global Sisters, and of For Film's Sake, something I have to say a little carefully, uh, and the trustee of the Asia Foundation. She's a former media lawyer and executive turned producer, investor, and company director. She's passionate about storytelling, change making, and gender equality, so a woman after my own heart. Deanne's company, WeAnderson.com, invests in entrepreneurs and storytellers. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Deanne. Thank you. Great to be here. So, Deanne, before we talk about listing during a pandemic and the chair's relationship and all of those sorts of things, I'd love to just first dig a little deeper about you. Tell me, what was your earliest experience of governance? I'm a country girl from country Victoria and, of course, I played netball while the boys played uh, football. And I think I was about 14 when I was first became the um, president of the netball club. I mm-hmm. uh, was also on various other committees and so on of the basketball club. And, uh, and of course, in those days, it was very much the netball club. The women did all the work mm-hmm. and all the catering <laughs> and the blokes took the kudos. But it was thinking responsibly about, mm. you know, 
those club funds and how much you raised and how much you spent and mm-hmm. um, trying to keep the factions under control. <laughs> but it was, you know, a first indication of the joy of service and of working with other people to have a community organisation that made everyone feel good and feel connected to the community. And I, I think that has always been in my bones since then. Can you remember any of the big decisions that the netball club had to make? Well, I do remember there being a a bit of a drama at one point about other clubs dropping out of the competition and, you know, just what it meant then economically to keep going and club dues were always a big drama. But, you know, it was just a very community-minded town and, and... and childhood, really, it was it was wonderful. And now, importantly, what position did you play? Oh well, I was a wing attack. All right. So from from netball club to only a couple of years later, here we are, about to go into a pandemic. You're the chair of an organisation, and you're like, right? I think we should list go list ourselves during the pandemic. Where where should we begin that story? Oh, look, yes, that was quite fun. Well, we'd actually decided to list at the end of 2019. And in fact, and I vividly recall walking around the city in sort of December and January, so December 2019, January 2020, which was when the bushfires were, Mm. and and walking through the city, visiting potential joint-led managers and law firms and accounting firms and being covered in ash and having made the stupid decision to wear a white jacket (laughs) whilst on uh, these these journeys and, and, you know, rolling into boardrooms of professional services organisations that would roll out a list of 20 blokes to pitch us on uh, helping us uh, through that process, which was pretty funny. But we did actually make that decision prior to the um, (laughs) onslaught of the pandemic and we just really kicked the process off. And uh, I think in February we'd had our first big due diligence committee meeting and, you know, 35 people sitting around a table and that was the last time that mm. we, we all gathered in that way until we started trading on the 15th of September and uh, one of our brokers sort of reminded us that actually this was the first time we'd seen each other in real life wow. since February, which was quite a revelation because, in fact, I'd felt like I'd talked to most of these people every week, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes mm-hmm. several times a day, but we just adapted the process mm. to do it virtually. So really when the market sort of had a bit of a crash in March, we'd decided to slow down a bit and do a bit of pause because it was obviously significant uncertainty. But once really we got into April and May and the market had recovered, you know, the advice of of the brokers was that we should continue and, mm. and give it a good go. And so we did, but, you know, there were obviously some very difficult conversations to think about the market uncertainty. Now, luckily for us, you know, one of the things that we do is provide live transcripts and uh, and live captioning for meetings that happen via video. Mm. And, Gee, and in fact, no growth the, in that market. No, and indeed, one of the reasons that we decided to list was because we really felt that we're on the cusp of video communication being the core tool, yep. communications tool for business and for education. And... We thought we were just at the start of that and then, of course, the pandemic accelerated that. So we had the benefit of being a business whose core business was actually accelerating through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So 
the listing still made a lot of sense for us. It was really more about how we judged the market risk. And luckily, I was surrounded by fantastic board colleagues and a brilliant CEO and and a great management team and then a really great group of advisors who... And it was just trying to have very frank and honest conversations, assessing the risk and, and saying, let's go for it. So can we go back a step even then? Talk me through the thinking process and the decision-making process for a board in, in determining that they are going to list. So we'd spent quite a bit of time in 2019 thinking about what our capital raising options were going to be. We'd essentially grown the business significantly to be really the major provider of the services in the markets that we serve here in Australia. And we had started in the UK some years back by buying a very small business and had sort of started to get our operations established in the UK and we were beginning in North America. Mm -hmm. And we could see significant opportunity in North America in particular. So during 2019, we'd had those conversations with private equity firms, with uh, sort of other industry players in the US Mm -hmm. uh, because we could see that the technology meant that the industry itself was going to consolidate. Mm -hmm. So we were going through what the best options were. And really the core reason we decided to list on the ASX was that because we'd had such success in the Australian market and we'd already had some success globally, the Australian market saw that as a really great opportunity. Mm. But when you talk to people in the US, quite often unless you've had real tangible success in the US, they don't quite see you in the same way. And, you know, really, I think the ASX is is hungry for more technology companies mm-hmm. uh, to list. And we really just saw that as being a good opportunity to sort of take that support from the local market. But what we're getting that, that support for, the, the purpose of the capital raise, was really the global expansion. Because we'd already spent about $50 million over the last nine years building up our technology platform. Mm-hmm. And that technology platform is in a fantastic state and it's ready to pump a lot of volume through it. Mm-hmm. But to do that, we need the global growth. Yes. But, of course, complicating all of that as we were weighing up those decisions then during the pandemic process, we also bought a $10 million revenue business in the US Mm -hmm. during the middle of the pandemic and the middle of a capital of of a listing process. So Mm -hmm. that was a slight complicating factor, but that's worked out incredibly well for us. What was the thinking and decision-making around that? You know, it was opportunistic. That opportunity came to us while we were in the middle of the IPO process. Mm -hmm. And we just felt it was too good an opportunity to knock back. You know, it would have been a lot easier to wait until after the IPO to do it, but the owner of that business was ready to sell. Mm. And, and in fact, he has now joined us as a senior executive in our business. And the timing, you know, it just it worked out really well. And again, I think it's, you know, it's risk assessment. It certainly complicated the accounting on the IPO process because we obviously had to integrate information about that company into our financials halfway through the IPO. That's Um, continuing to build the plane while you're flying it, yes. Well, but, you know, (laughs) but that look, that's the joy of a scale-up business that um, and trying to achieve global scale. When the cultural fit is right, when the business fit is right, you just have to back yourself and give it a go. 
I mean, that's the thing. If the opportunity's there, it might not be there later. So it's either jump or miss out. Exactly right. So you, you said in there, as always, I want to go down just a little side alley. You said in there that the founder of that organisation is now a senior exec. What's your observations about that transition for that person? It's a change of relationship going from the founder of the organisation to working within. So what's your observations about that? Indeed. Well, so uh, this gentleman from the US, he's taken like a duck to water. What he was really looking for was that opportunity. He he hadn't really had the opportunity to invest in technology for his business and now he's relishing the opportunity to be able to be part of a bigger organisation where that technology investment has been made mm-hmm. and that he can actually provide a really high-quality product to the customers that he'd been serving previously but do it with technological efficiency and then additional services. So, yeah, he's doing really well. That is fantastic to hear because sometimes it can be a challenging transition. No, absolutely. I think um, he has had a very open heart to the whole opportunity and that's going really well. So it sounds like in there there are quite a few very strong relationships that have been the foundation of some of this decision-making, this journey. And you're, of course, the chair of the board. And I always think that the chair of the board is somebody who really sets that culture for the organisation. They're key to those relationships. What's been your role as chair to build those relationships, both with organisations that you're buying, with your CEO, with your co-directors, with the advisors that you're working with? How do you see your role there in building relationships? Well, in the context of AI media, you know, I'm very lucky that the co-founder and CEO of the company, Tony Abrahams, is just a fabulous person and a great executive and he is very inspiring in himself and he and I have known each other for a very long time and have worked together for over 10 years and I think part of the success is in fact the way we're able to work together and Tony often says that one of the joys for him of having a chair is actually as an entrepreneur being able to actually have a boss Mm. is very helpful. Mm -hmm. We're very lucky. We've got a great working relationship and he knows that one of the things and what the whole board, we're all very clear about, you need to raise issues with us. You need to raise problems. You need to give us the bad news as well as the good news because we can't help if we, we don't know things. So I would say that he and my relationship, and I think the CEO chair relationship is so critical Mm -hmm. you know it has to be a fully frank and open relationship and we feel free to disagree with each other at various times but we're always looking to then find a consensus and an outcome and we're lucky to be surrounded you know our other board members everyone has a slightly you know a different perspective some different experience and we're always trying to make sure that we're bringing all of that to the table mm-hmm. and airing those things and you know and we expect the same thing from our advisors and the people that we work with that is you know we want full frank disclosure and engagement we want to be challenged we want to have a good time because there's absolutely no point uh, doing what we do and working under some of the pressure that the business works under in such an environment but we all want to keep learning and um, and being challenged and and thankfully maybe we could have done with a little bit less challenge and learning in 2020 <laughs> but um, but you know it 
there's plenty of books that are going to be written, I think, in the future about uh, what people learned out of that process. Yeah, I'd say you could have 2021 off, but I don't think that's going to happen either. So Definitely not. (laughs) So, I mean, you're the chair of a number of organisations, obviously, and one of them is also the Sydney Film Festival. Now, it's also been a, uh, shall we say, interesting year, 2020, for the arts. Indeed, indeed. A very challenging year and for Sydney Film Festival, which is like, you know, a nearly 70-year-old cultural institution um, Mm -hmm. in Sydney that we're all very passionate about. And yes, how do you deal with a a situation when you're a cultural institution that has one big event a year Mm -hmm. and you can't hold that event in the middle of of a pandemic? So that was a very interesting um, experience of working with the CEO, Lee Small, and the rest of the, the team and the board. What mm. do we do? And making the decisions. And, and look, we, we just, again, had to make the decision that we needed to be guided by the science and by the, the New South Wales government as the custodians of public health. And when they basically were saying, you just can't have big gatherings and, you know, one of the joys of the Sydney Film Festival is sitting in the State Theatre with, you know, Mm. 2,000 people and experiencing a wonderful film. And that just obviously was not a reality for 2020. Mm. So the team were amazing in thinking about how we could pivot to an online Mm -hmm. environment and that would mean. So we ended up getting such incredibly generous support from our community, from our donors and our sponsors and supporters who could see that this was just an extraordinarily bizarre year Mm. and that they wanted to continue to support the institution even though we couldn't deliver the experience that we wanted to. So I think a lot of learnings for us came out of that year but it was definitely an all-hands-on-deck situation and and I think that the organisations that will really flourish post the pandemic are those who accept that if you're in a different reality, you just need to be flexible, you need to be empathetic and you need to think about how can you maintain the essence of what your organisation is Mm -hmm. and its integrity and its spirit and look to the future Mm. and cannot wait to get back into the State (laughs) Theatre in August of this year, hopefully, fingers crossed. And so for those big conversations that the board's having I'm guessing you were having those conversations virtually absolutely you know reminding the board perhaps not reminding it was probably was front and center in some ways but reminding of the essence and being able to have those wrestles with those kind of issues again as chair how did you manage ensuring that there was that ability to keep the vision or the essence of the organisation front of mind at the same time as dealing with a crisis, at the same time as having to deal with things empathetically, both within the organisation, but presumably also for your colleagues around the board table? Well, look, I, I mean, I worked very closely with Lee, the, the CEO, and and really we were going back to the essence of mm. what is the festival, what is it all about, yep. and our really our core values and, and principles, and then asking ourselves in those constrained environments, mm. what could we do that would honour and respect that? And then having the conversation with the, the board members in that context, you know, all, it's, of course it's a voluntary board and these are all people who are, you know, business people, um, producers, you know, mm. facing incredible challenges in their other, yep. uh, their daily life. And how do you, you bring all of that together? And, and I think... A lot of it is about how you frame 
yep. those challenges. Mm. And I think you can never lose by going back to your core yeah. principles and values of your organisation. And I actually think it's it's a, a good reminder as to why mm-hmm. it's very important to make sure you're very clear on what those core values are and your core mission mm. because then regardless of what comes at you, you always have a lens and a frame through which to look at those challenges. Absolutely. Um, you know, as somebody who does a lot of strategy work with organisations, it's not just something, or I would say it's not something you come together once every three years or five years and look at the vision and values and off you go. They should be live concepts for organisations that you return to in crisis. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. And I, 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 you know, to be frank, that was a great reminder for me, Mm, really, um, this year as to why um, those things are so important. You're the chair of a lot of organisations. 2020 was a massive year. How do you do it? Well, you know, if you want something done, give it to a busy person (laughs) um, is sort of the adage. But... Look, I mean, you know, the the companies that I am involved with are companies that I have a significant investment in. So Mm. it's not just passion, but there's a level of economic self-interest there. The not-for-profits that I'm involved in, they're all servicing need in a community, whether it's a cultural need with the film festival or Global Sisters, you know, I mean, gosh, a lot of the women who are part of the Global Sisters community, of course, you know, 2020 was a terrible year Mm, for them and the stakes are incredibly high for them. So doing what we can as a not-for-profit board to support the management of an organisation like Global Sisters, that's the least you can do in that environment given the great work that they're doing. So it was an intense year and uh, let's be frank, I wasn't flying off overseas anywhere (laughs) so I had plenty of time. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. There was no travel... There wasn't even commuting into the CBD, let alone anywhere else. So the time spent off the plane could be spent doing all sorts of other things. I I found I actually got a lot done last year. Oh, that's interesting. Got a lot done. Because my next question was going to be, how did you look after yourself during that period? Well, look, we're very lucky here in New South Wales, perhaps compared to my friends in Victoria and family down there. I don't think that there was a day when we couldn't go and walk down to our local coffee shop and still get a cup of coffee, even though it was a takeaway. Um, I live in a beautiful part of Sydney where I can go walking Mm -hmm. for several hours a day if I wanted to, to give me fresh air and perspective Mm -hmm. and keep my my mind going and and even when the gyms were closed or whatever I would meet a friend in the park and we would socially distance but work out together so I think it's about making the most of the constraints that we were all operating under and I got a fabulous bloke who looks after me very well and we adopted a kitten I was going to say and a very yes. friendly cat that I just met, got yes. to meet before as well yeah indeed so I think um you got a pandemic pet I got a pandemic pet and and having her to look look after and think about was a, a very positive move for uh, mental health reasons well yeah I think the science is that literally patting a cat lowers the blood pressure and all sorts of good things so Excellent. Okay. Get a cat uh, and a bloke who'll cook your dinner for or as part of your self-care strategy. I think it's a good good strategy. Indeed. <laughs> We've covered a lot today and, as always, the time goes away too quickly. What are the key points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Well, look, I think business and governance and being on boards is, is it's like life itself. It's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. And relationships are about honesty and respect mm-hmm. and finding 
a way to use the skills that you've got to complement the skills that other people have, mm. which is making sure you've got diversity of view and experience and hopefully culture and gender and everything else mm. around you. If you're dealing with the world's issues and the world's problems, you need to make sure that you have the world represented at your table as, as far as you, you possibly can. It's such a joy, I find, to sit down with really smart people to sort of say, okay, these were our objectives, this is what we've been looking at, these are our challenges and our problems, are we on the right track? Mm -hmm. Do we need to adjust? Do we need to pivot? Or, you know, heaven forbid... We're in a crisis. This is happening. What do we do? And to have that, the camaraderie and the mutual support that comes from people who are trying to get to the same objective as you, but probably going to perhaps come at it some slightly different ways. Mm -hmm. I learn something every day. Mm -hmm. I learn something in every conversation um, with all of the people I'm blessed to work with across the multiple organisations I'm involved in. And I would simply say, bring your best self to the table, but also try and create opportunities for other people to be bringing their best self as well. Mm. And that's listening and being positive and being supportive and open to challenge. That would probably be it. It's a real art, isn't it, that being open to challenge? I always think all of the evidence around diversity is that the more diversity you have in a group, the better decision-making. However... It's harder work because it is of hard diversity. Yeah. 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 No, it is hard work, but what's the point of not, really? And and I think that's the great opportunity. And hey, we all have to work harder. We've all got our implicit bias. We all find comfort in familiarity. But wow, you can find adventure in in the new. So and at this stage I'm I'm enjoying the adventure. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, speaking of finding fun in the new, is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? I absolutely would. I do love my podcasts. Mm -hmm. And one of my favourite new ones is from Kara Swisher from the New York Times. Um, and this one is called Sway. Mm -hmm. And she interviews powerful, influential people, but where she's sort of trying to dig into what power is actually about mm. and what makes it work. And um, she's a great interviewer. She's got several other podcasts as well. But um, if you're looking for a new podcast, check out Sway. Mm. Excellent. I'll make sure I put a link to that in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to join you at your kitchen table to have this conversation and for sharing just some of that story and some of that wisdom with the Take On Board community. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Lovely to chat. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation. Bye.